to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. So good to be together today. And I don't know about you, but just the sense of knowing we're coming back together and we have live services next week is going to be amazing. Please do everything possible to be there. And as well, it's going to be exciting as we broadcast our service live for the first time as well, which is an incredible expansion of what we're doing here at Life. And so the other thing as well, as the boys alluded to, man, the opportunity for us to have carols in the park. I, just, I honestly just feel like this is a God moment. This is something that he's leading. And this is something that I'm really believing is going to bring such a touch of heaven to our community and to people's worlds. But due to the season that people have had, I feel like there's just going to be so much that God does and it's going to be a lot of fun. And so let's really be praying into that. And as well, there'll be opportunities to be involved and serve, right? So look out for that. Well, we're on week two of Under Construction. And I really want to flow on from Pastor Paul. And remember, any message or weekend that you aren't able to capture is always online and you can jump into that. But I really believe today that we just want to infuse faith. We want to infuse an opportunity actually for all of us to have a moment. We're going to believe a breakthrough. We're going to believe for God to do what only He can do. But I know that God delights to move in us and to move through us. We have a supernatural God who is on our side. So I'm going to pray as we start and then we'll jump into it. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity for us all to gather and be able to hear from you. I do declare though, not my words, but your words today. I pray as well that we'd have a boldness and a vulnerability that would allow you to speak into the depths of our heart. Lord, that we wouldn't be in a place where we would make excuses for where we sit right now or maybe where we haven't broken through, but we would again rise in faith to step into all that you have. I pray for anyone that's watching and listening who doesn't yet know you personally. Lord, would you just knock on their heart, make your love tangible, that they would know that you're with them, that you believe them in them and that you love them so dearly. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You say amen? Amen. Well, we're going to jump straight into it. You know what? We're all being called to live like Christ. Disciples aren't just people who have made a decision. Disciples are people who represent Christ here on earth. We step into all that he has made available. And I love that. It causes us to live beyond ourselves. It causes us to live desperate and dependent on our God. But the truth of it is, is that we have an enemy who will always attack where you and I have been called to be effective. He'll try and discourage you, devalue you, distract you. He'll try and dishearten you. He'll try and deceive you to get you to remain still, to remain in a place of safe, right? Not in a place of faith, but in a place of safe. And over the years and what we do, and I guess being called a pastor, it doesn't exempt you from that reality where you have to step outside yourself, where you have to take God at his word. I think for me, one of the, I guess, very real examples is I'm someone who really loves the opportunity to pray for people, especially in the areas of believing for breakthrough, believing for miracles, believing for healing. And it wasn't too many years ago that actually we had a situation that happened in the back car park where a um, rough sleeper who had overdosed on uh, drugs of some sort, found himself crumpled in the corner. We made, were made aware. We ran around there, Micah and I, and 
we saw him and we kind of laid him out on the ground and he wasn't in a good state. And we called the emergency services. We're on the phone to them at the same time as we're doing chest compressions. But we were literally about to go to summer retreat that afternoon. And I'd been praying and fasting and I was pumped, man. I was, you know, in this place of I really believed in the name of Jesus that life would flow back into him, that he would breathe again, that he would come alive. And we're in that moment as well as we're doing the counting, we're praying and and basically the ambulance turned up, the fire engines turned up and, and they, they came and they took over and they said, look, it's been like this for a while. Thank you for trying uh, and doing what you did, but nothing, I'm sorry, is, is going to work. And it was really, you know, I, I guess naturally you would go, well, we, we did our best. But the truth of it was, is what happened in that moment is it was like my faith took a blow. And we went on to camp and we had an amazing time and God moved. It was incredible. But I found myself reserved when it came to stepping out in faith, when it came to actually praying for people and not to pray for them and have a moment, but to actually pray with a conviction that it will happen. See, I started what I call iffy prayers. I was convinced that God could, just not convinced that he would. I think for all of us, we can actually have moments when it comes to what God's leading in our lives, whether it be in our family, whether it be in the starting of a family, whether it be in the journey, if you're single, of getting into a relationship or desiring a relationship, when it comes to the areas in our businesses, uh, when it comes to many, many things, we can have a sense that we know that God can, but we're just not convinced that He will. But I don't actually believe that's where God wants to live. I've been reading Smith Wigglesworth lately quite a bit. I, I love him, and he just really stirs my faith. But he says it like this, faith is not knowing that God can, it's knowing that God will. And I think for all of us, the challenge can be is we can go, God, you're big, you're, you, know, you hold the world in your hand, as I talked about the other week. You're big, you can, but I'm actually just not sure that you will. And I guess for me, over the next few months, I read the Word, obviously, and I was praying about it, and I would find myself on altar calls and ministry moments whenever I could, and I was desperately hungry for God to put that fire of conviction back in me, where I wouldn't pre praying, oh God, I, you know, well, if it's your will that this person be healed, you know, well, if it's your will that this couple have a child, of course it's God's will. He loves us. He loves us so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross to make it available for us. That's how much He desires it to flow in to our lives, but also flow through our lives. And basically, there came this moment of exchange on an altar call where it's just like God did a heart transplant and basically took this unbelief out and put a fresh courage in. And he deposited this sense of just like the disappointment of that moment left. And all of a sudden I was just on edge again, ready to go for it. And it was funny at that same time, you know, we were having different night services and Nadia said, we should do a miracle service and you should preach. And I'm like, oh yeah, like, no, nah. you know, and she's like, you should. And I was like, you know what? Yes. Yes, it's time to get out of the boat. I want to ask you the question, where is God calling you to get out of the boat? And, you see, we, got, and we basically just miracle service, 5 p.m., back when our services were at 5. And, um, and we just did it. And we just believed for a move of God. And God is so gracious and He is so kind. And it was amazing just to see what God did that night. And just people would come forward who had sickness and pain in their body. And literally miracle after miracle after miracle broke forth. And it was just humbling, to say the least. You know that where the roadblock is right now, 
where you feel like you couldn't overcome or it wouldn't happen for you or it hasn't happened to this point, so why could I and how could I expect it to now? I want you to believe. I want you to have something start to stir in your spirit that says, you know what, I'm going to believe again. I'm not going to let unbelief rule. It's time to overcome unbelief. I want to jump into this incredible story. Uh, It's about a boy who's got a demonic spirit that's literally trying to kill him. And it's about a father who's desperately desiring, as any dad would, for his child to be healed. And they've had some time with the disciples, but unfortunately, the, uh, the, the, the demonic spirit is still there. The, the mute spirit, they called it, was still there. And it would try and kill him by throwing him into the water and the fire. But then in walks Jesus, right? And we're going to pick up this story in Mark chapter 9. In verse 17, it says, And then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they could not cast it out. And then he answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20 says, Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Can I just say, when we bring Jesus into our situations that need breakthrough, into our situations that need healing, in our family that needs restoration, in our business that seems like things are going chaotic, can I just encourage you? The enemy will try and exaggerate the issue. He started screaming, he started trying to make a big noise. But what I love about our God is he, and what Jesus did in that moment is he didn't even address it. He goes straight to the Father. He said to the, to the Father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood, how often has it thrown him? Sorry, often it has thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if, if you can believe, All things are possible to him who believes. Come on, that's got to be the most encouraging thing. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And then when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. Don't you love the authority that Jesus speaks with? And then the spirit cried out, convulsed, him greatly and he came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. Can I encourage you? If it looks dead, but if Jesus has called it alive, he's on the process of lifting it back up into fullness. And when he had come to the house, uh, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to him, this kind come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I want to give us some keys that I've learned and that have encouraged me when it comes to us stepping into the things of God, living a life of faith, stepping into the impossibility that we would see it possible. Number one, if you're writing notes down, chuck it in the chat, is isolate the if. Isolate the if. The Father said to Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can do anything. You know, I think I actually can relate to the Father's response. If you can, I found myself in that same place having been disappointed and disheartened with the situation in the car park. I started an if response, which is basically 
It's coming from this place of implementing an if to protect myself, protect my expectations. And you know, if we've been on alt call after alt call and we've tried this and we've tried that and nothing seems to happen, our expectation, I guess, reduces. But God has called us to live with expectation, live with expectation of what He can do, live with expectation for Him to be able to move where we can't, to do what we're unable. But we find ourselves with an if, if we've been discouraged. We find ourselves with an if, if it's still going on, yet we've prayed, we've fasted, we've given, we've tried this, we've tried that. Can I encourage us? Do everything you can to isolate the if, all right? We think we're guarding our hearts when it comes to adding an if, but actually what we're doing is we're engaging unbelief and we're determining a faith that's ready for an outcome not to happen. In other words, personally, when I engaged an if, I wasn't owning the outcome, but rather I was saying I'm okay with no outcome. We need to be people who increasingly pray out of revelation, not reservation. I'll say that again. Pray out of revelation, not reservation. A couple of scriptures that are really encouraging for us, but they actually ask us and they call us to go beyond ourselves is Matthew 10 verse 6. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, he's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to you and I. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. God is close. Heal the sick. (laughs) Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Wow. We need to preach out of a revelation that God has actually instructed us, commanded us, and called us to be people who enable breakthrough, enable healing, enable salvation, enable the enemy to be triumphed, dismantled. Come on. And the things of God and the kingdom of God to reign and to rule. The other great scripture I love is that it talks about this reality of revelation is it comes our faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 tells us. Which basically means if you need to increase your revelation, you need to strengthen your revelation, then just get into his word, right? Get into this and start reading what Jesus did. When you start reading what God can do and what Jesus has done and what Jesus did, all that does for me is it just strengthens my belief. It strengthens my faith. It shows me that we have a God that wants to provide. We have a God that is able to provide. We have a God that has has already overcome. We've got a God that can heal, who can save, who can deliver, who can set free. We've got a God that can rescue people, sorry, out of brokenness. We've got a God who's compassionate. We've got a God who saves. We've got a God who is alive. And when we get this revelation, we don't pray with reservation. We start calling dead things back to life. We start asking and calling doors to open that were shut. We start believing for the provision of heaven. We start declaring, God, you'll make a way where there seems no way. Don't pray out of reservation. Don't pray out of, well, if it, and if you can, and if you want, and if you will. No, no, pray with confidence. Pray knowing that your God's for you. Pray with an understanding that he's done what needs to be done. Now it's our turn to stand in and to step up in Jesus' mighty name. I love that truth in Isaiah 53 that says, by his stripes, we are healed. The very reality of what Jesus has done on the cross is the truth that he has already done enough. Man, our God is crazy in love with us. The wonder of him dying on that cross for all of humanity, 
all brokenness, all sickness, all sin, and the fact that nothing will separate us from the love of God, that He's done enough, that we simply need to believe. And then through faith, we have access to the fact that He didn't just die, but He rose again, triumphant over death, brought life, brought victory, brought hope, brought grace, brought peace, and enabled it not just to flow to us, but to flow through us. That actually the power of God to heal, restore, deliver, save, to set free, is available for us to move in by faith. By faith. I love what Smith Wigglesworth says. He says this, In me is a working, a power that is stronger than any other. The life that is in me is a thousand times bigger than what's outside of me. What's that saying? Come on, the God that's in you, He's able. The God that's in you, He is more than able. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, let's go to number two. The second thing is it's heart over hand. Heart over hand. What do you mean by that? Well, verse 24, it says this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Capture this for a second. The casualty was with his son. The situation that was controlling was with his son. But here we find the father who's not saying, Lord, I believe, help me with my son. Lord, I believe, help me with my situation. No, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Which he's saying, God, I believe, I need you to change my heart. I need you to change me. Often we're thinking, God, I need you to change this. I need you to change our finances. I need you to change our kids. Come on, I need you to change this and I need you to change that. Maybe, just maybe, the biggest thing God could do today, the biggest thing He wants to do in all of us is to keep changing our heart. That He would change our heart. See, the unbelief didn't reside in the condition of His Son. The unbelief resided in the condition of His heart. And I know for me, when I had to overcome what happened, the discouragement, the unbelief wasn't in other people's situations. The unbelief was in my heart. It's not about the outcome. It's actually more about us. It's not about all the miracles we need. It's actually more about me. You know, I'd love to read you this incredible testimony that I got sent just this week of an incredible couple in our church. It's a, it's a great story. I want you to capture all of it as I, as I read. On the 17th of September, 2020, after 15 months of trying to have a baby, we were given the news that my husband had balanced translocation. That meant that while he is healthy, he may face reproductive difficulties because of a mixed up chromosomes. And any pregnancy has a higher chance of resulting in miscarriage before 10 weeks gestation. The only recommendation was to go through IVF. We were shattered. Following that, we were booked in for several appointments, uh, you know, session after session for this and for that, so many procedures, and the list just went on. I crawled the whole weekend and I felt actually completely run dry. I wasn't angry at God, and I understood that this must have been happening for a reason, but it, did, uh, sorry, but it didn't hurt any less. It also didn't answer any of the questions or cure the doubt I felt creeping up every time I got a negative test or received bad news. The only reprieve I felt was that Sunday tuning in to church. We watched church in bed together, and Pastor Craig, you said that if anybody needs healing and breakthrough to touch the place on their body, 
So I touched my belly and my heart. And my husband, he touched his heart. It was the first time that we prayed together in a while. And it wasn't just a prayer. We didn't just whisper to each other. It was a fervent prayer, a desperate prayer. And while I was praying, I felt a genuine, overwhelming sense of peace. And I felt something within me say, breathe, you are pregnant. Wow. I dismissed the you are pregnant bit, but quickly, uh, pretty quickly. But the peace in that moment was really nice and something that I hadn't felt in a long time. The next morning, I had one of my several medical appointments booked in for the week. And I knew the first question that the doctor would ask is if I had had a pregnancy test to rule out pregnancy. And I didn't want to cry in front of him or have him make me take one there. So I found a digital pregnancy test I had in my drawer and I took it. I had no hopes for it reading as positive. So I just forgot about it while I got ready. And when I remembered, I actually looked at it and it said, yes, positive. I had to read the instructions to make sure it meant what it said. And sure enough, it did. Now, some people... You may rule this out as a coincidence, but please understand there is no way it could be. We have tried every month for over a year, every month, timed things perfectly, read into what foods I should eat more of, taken ovulation test after ovulation test. The only thing that changed this month that we fell pregnant is that we were told IVF was the best option. And at the same time, we had people in our church praying for us and for the blessing that God said was ours. I love that. They were specifically praying for us. It was a moment for God to reveal himself and show that he is who he says that he is. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a redeemer. He is a healer, a loving father, a light in the darkness. It was a moment for him to show that he is a God of his word. Ask and you shall receive. When two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. I'm with you. And it was a moment for him to remind me that I I will always need him and he will always be there for me. So if you have a need, please don't be too proud or embarrassed to ask for prayer. There is something special and powerful when two or more are gathered and praying for the same thing. And if your blessing or breakthrough is yet to come to fruition, please take comfort in knowing that he is at work even when it seems like nothing is happening. Come on, I don't know where you're standing or where you're sitting, where you're listening to this, but we can thank God for that incredible miracle. We can thank God for that answer to prayer. We can thank God for the reality that He made a way where the doctors said, literally, there is no way. And the great news is we are now 12 weeks on from that moment and everything is healthy and it's just amazing to see what God is doing. And I know that that story may be sensitive to many couples Uh, A few couples who are in that process of believing to fall pregnant and go full term. I want to tell you, I pray that that speaks hope into your situation. I pray that that just again injects that faith to keep trusting your loving Father, your amazing God who is with you. And we will pray and continue to believe specifically, come on, for children because they are a blessing from God and they are an inheritance that He's promised in your mighty name, Lord. But in this moment, I actually feel like That cry of that father, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that there's numbers of us today. And you know what? We need God to heal our heart because the truth of it is we've been discouraged. We've been hurt because things didn't happen how we thought they should. They didn't work out the way that we somehow knew that it should, but it hasn't. 
I would love to pray and believe for a miracle. I'd love to pray and believe for healing in your heart. I want you to take a moment right now. Put your hand on your heart if that's you. You may be sitting in a room with others. Please don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Don't feel like you can't respond. Right now, God wants to heal hearts. He wants to inject faith. He wants to renew. Come on, restore that which has been lost. And I believe on the other side of that, amazing miracle is going to flow. Put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would right now restore every heart that's broken, every heart that's been discouraged, every heart that feels a little dejected and doesn't want to believe, doesn't want to put themselves out there again for fear of being hurt. Father, I pray right now for just fresh boldness, a fresh courage. God, an ability to take you at your word. God, I pray right now that you would rise up just a sense of being able to again trust you freely. Whatever is hurt, whatever is discouraged, God, I pray for healing right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak life. I speak a spirit of faith to believe in your mighty name. In the name that is above every name, I pray. And if everybody said, amen, amen. Well, we're going to continue on. Amen. God, I really pray that's a, a sovereign moment for us. But I want to continue on. There's a couple of more things I just want to encourage us with as we carry on with this incredible story and what God has done. All right. So isolate the if. Heart over hand, right? God in the heart before it's about what he has to do for us. The third thing is that we need to um, call it for what it is. We need to call it for what it is. All right, if there's things that you're needing God to do, don't, don't be wishy-washy with it. You have not because you ask not, the Bible says. Call it for what it is. You know, the people said that, you know, there's this mute spirit, but Jesus came in and he actually commanded deaf and dumb spirit. It's almost like sometimes we call things, like we try and lighten what it really is going on, you know, and we try and make it like it's not that, but really it's something else. Go to what it really is. There's no point if you've got a sore shoulder for me to pray for your foot. There's no point if you've got a sore shoulder for me just to believe, oh God, that you would just do something comforting. Go after what it is, right? Stand specifically for what you need God to, believe, God to do. Don't be shy of calling it what it is. Don't be shy of calling it rejection. Don't be shy of calling it lust. Don't be shy of calling it uh, you know, disunity, whatever it might be, unfaithfulness, unforgiveness, whatever it is. And I know it doesn't sound nice. Jealousy, <laughs> it doesn't sound nice. Anger. But call it what it is. Now, don't claim it and own it as that, oh, I'm somebody who's angry. But if that's what's going on, call it for what it is, pray into it, have others stand with you and believe for breakthrough, believe for a miracle, believe for that provision in the name of Jesus, all right? So number three, call it for what it is. Number four, talk to it, not about it. See, I love how Jesus approached this situation. He says, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more, right? Jesus didn't talk about it. Jesus didn't entertain it. He didn't ask God, hey God, like there's this kid down here and he really needs help. No, he knew the authority that he carried and he owned it and he stood into it and he commanded it. Can I encourage us? Let's be people who are standing in knowing our God as a God who loves to save, 
knowing our God is a God who has healed, knowing our God is a God who brings provision and favour and breakthrough, knowing our God loves marriage, knowing our God loves us to be able to have kids, knowing our God wants our kids who have backslidden back into relationship. You don't have to ask, does God want it? You've got to stand in the authority that He's already done it and we're going to command it to take place. Come on, speak with a new ownership. Speak with an expectation to own the outcome, not expect no outcome. All right, I hope that makes sense. Let's, so the question, I guess, is what are you talking about that actually you should be talking to? Come on, little tweaks in the way that we pray, little tweaks in the way that we speak. But those little tweaks, come on, out of the tongue has power of life. All right, let's speak life in a way that carries that authority and conviction. Number five, it says to them in verse 28, And when he had come into the house, his disciples said to him privately, We could not cast it out. So he said to them, This kind come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Number five, we're going to overcome unbelief and we're going to raise our faith. We need to pray and we need to fast. Right? Not just one-off times. Not just, you know, when somebody else says we have to. No, we need to be led by God's Holy Spirit in moments that we need to go deeper. We need to push harder. We need to get hungrier for the things of God, right? Prayer equals proximity and alignment. We say, oh, well, I don't know if it is God's will. When you're in proximity, when you're praying, come on, you know God's leading you. You're in that place of relationship. It's clear what God has and what He wants to do. It enables proximity and alignment. Fasting enables empowerment and authority. All right, of recent weeks and probably to the end of the year, I've just chosen with a friend that we're going to fast every Monday just for the things that we know we're needing God to do, praying on behalf of others of situations that I need, know need breakthrough, prayer and fasting. Oh, when was the last time you fasted for something? When was the last time you skipped a meal and decided to devote that to prayer and proximity and, and speaking life or speaking breakthrough into something? When was the last time you prayed for a friend or a family member publicly? Can I say that where we are at in our privacy with God is what makes available in our public moments with God, right? What we access in private is what is available in public. Private moments. I love what Charles Persian says. He says, The power of prayer can never be overrated. If a man can but pray, he can do anything. All right, let's never whittle down prayer. I want just to quickly go to this last scripture. It's Matthew 21 verse 21 to 22. Pastor Paul alluded to this story about the fig tree last Sunday, but spoke out of Mark. And it says this, it says, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you, if you and me, if we have faith and do not doubt, not only can we do what has been done to the fig tree, but you will also say to this mountain, go and throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Before we go today, I'm going to believe for mountains to be moved. Mountains to be moved. But I love this. We often come from the place when we have unbelief residing. We say, God, well, if you. But here, this is Jesus speaking to us saying the if is actually not with God. The if is with us. If you, if me, if I'm willing, right? I've done my part. It's actually up to you. And it's amazing how over this last couple of months, I've actually experienced a pretty amazing breakthrough. See, outside of salvation, which is the greatest miracle of all, 
the moment any heart and any person gets their life right with God. That is the greatest miracle. Eternity made available in every heart, right? Nothing beats that. But outside of that, as much as I've seen and prayed and seen many physical miracles, I'd never experienced one myself. And so uh, during the second last, uh, sorry, yeah, this last lockdown uh, around August, I'd been running pretty intently because it was kind of my only outlet. And it was random because this one afternoon, I just got this Achilles injury. And of all the crazy events and crazy running things I've done over the years, I've never had an Achilles injury, not even a strain, nothing. But all of a sudden, I find myself having just finished a run about half an hour later, my, it was swelling up and it was just so sore and it was sore for days. And I talked to my brother who's a physio and he said, it's a pretty long road to recovery, to be honest. And you kind of got to stop running, which for me, was, it was incredibly frustrating. And so... What I did is I did the stretches that I was advised and I stopped running on it. And then after a couple of weeks, I went for about a 3K run and still it was sore. And it was, I honestly felt like there was something more to it. And then on the 31st of September, I was listening to this message that accidentally got sent to me by Rita, which I don't think was accidental at all. But it was again, just talking about the truth that God has done everything that is needed. And I'm sitting in my car listening to this, and I was having this conversation with God going, I believe, I honestly believe that you can heal me. I honestly believe that this thing can be done, right? And I was stirred in my spirit and stirred in my faith. And in this moment, I felt like God said to me, Craig, run like it's done. Run like it's done. In the sense of God saying to me, I've owned my part, now you have to own yours. Jesus stepped into his part, now I have to step into mine. And what was awesome is I'd actually heard of a friend doing this thing called uh, Runtober, which basically is this challenge where people run the distance of the date for the month of October in kilometers, right? Every single day. So the 1st of October, you'd run 1K. 2nd of October, you'd run 2Ks. 3rd of October, you'd run 3Ks and so forth up to the end of October. Now, for me personally, having not run for about five or six weeks, uh, in me, I was like, man, I would love to do a month. I would love to get to 31 days. Uh, but I was like, you know, what would be still like a miracle? And I was thinking, well, five days, five days would be a miracle to get to 5Ks. 10 days would be a miracle. But I felt something go, go for 21. Go for 21 days. And so basically, the next day, I set out on this mission of running every day, the distance of the date, up to 21Ks, right? Day one, day two, day three, no worries but I'd actually never run consecutively, probably more than ever three days before, right? So day four, day five comes around and the Achilles actually starts talking to me. And the discomfort is real. And I actually had to ask this question as I'm running, right? I'm running along and the, uh, starting to feel it. I have to ask this question and I want to ask, I also ask this question as we're starting to step into faith. Am I more convinced of the pain or of the promise? And in that moment, I had to make a decision. You know what? Pain, you actually, you actually don't belong here. You actually can't stay because God's already done what needs to be done. Jesus has already made a way. Therefore, I'm going to run like it's done and you are healed. You are healed. You will operate. You will come into alignment. And I would keep running. And it was amazing that within a, a few hundred meters, the pain would go. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. I mean, by the 10th, my whole body is thinking, what the heck are you doing? What is going on? You've never done this before. Uh, you know, it was, it was my thighs and my hammies and everything. My calves were like, what? We're all done. Back out. Stop now. Day 15, 
day 17, day 18, day 19, getting out of bed at 5 a.m., putting shoes on was a challenge in of itself. But I felt like God said, run as if it's done. Then it became a little bit more public. Nadia's told a few people and so they're like, oh, only five more days, you can do it. And I'm like, five more days, right? That's 17 Ks, then 18 Ks, then 19, 20, 21. Anyway, there were some pretty bad days in the last couple of days. Blisters, toenails going black, the works. You know what? When we step out in the things of God, when we step out in faith, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to go all rosy. It's going to be all laid at We're going to have to determine in our head to grab hold of what God's put in our heart. Tell your head, listen to your heart. Listen to what God said. He said, run as if it's done. And then day 21, after an hour and 39 minutes, I finished the final 21 kilometers. I stood in my driveway having just run 231 kilometers in 21 days. And it was done, right? I literally ran up on the driveway and I've got my hands on my knees. I'm like, God, it's done. Man, it is finished. And I don't have a sore leg. This has been a miracle. And I felt in that moment, God speak to me so clearly. And he said, yes, Craig, it is. From that day to this and every day to come, it is done. It has been paid in full. What Christ has done is enough. Come on, he has already made a way where there seems no way. It is finished. That statement that Jesus made on the cross, it is finished. Doesn't just mean it was finished in that moment, but the Greek reality of that word says it was finished then, it's finished today, and it'll always be finished. He has made it available for all. Can I encourage us? Come on, in view of our need, it should not be about what God has to do but it should be about what God has already done. It should not be about what we need Jesus to do, but about what Jesus has already done. Can I ask you the question? Are you in a place where you're saying, if God will do it, or are you in a place of saying, God, I'll believe for it? Because I'm believing for restoration today. You got to run like it's done. I'm believing for salvation in our family and in others. We're going to run like it's done. I'm believing that we're going to overcome sickness, pain in our body, anxiety and addictions. Come on, discouragement. We're going to run like it's done. I believe that some people, God has put something in your spirit despite this crazy year that we've had and you're going to step out. Why? Because you're going to run like it's done. Let's not relinquish the authority that God has given us and that He's entrusted us. Let's take hold of it. Only believe, only believe. Nothing is impossible. Only believe. Come on, right now, you're in need of a miracle. Whatever it is, however big it seems, I'm going to declare right now the faith, the ability to stand and see it done in Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Put a hand on it if you can. Hold it in your heart. Be aware of it. Let's pray. God, right now, I command miracles to break forth. I command healing to take place. Lord, we declare where the enemy has had his hold too long, that he would be loosed and released off in the name of Jesus. And we speak the freedom, we speak the healing, we speak the power of the Holy Spirit to move in divine ways. We declare supernatural provision, supernatural encounters. Lord, right now, I speak a faith in us that will put to action what you have already made available. Father, I also pray that a deposit of a faith for the supernatural would rise in us. Lord, that we would command your kingdom to come, that we would command life to be released, that we would command, Lord, your will to take place in the name of Jesus. Give a God confidence into the heart of every single person. 
We believe this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen and amen. Maybe, in fact, why don't we all close our eyes and have our hearts open? I'd love to pray for another group right now who's here and you don't know Jesus personally. Or maybe you once did, but you're away from Him. Right now, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit just tap on your heart. The Bible says that God knocks at the door of our heart waiting for us to respond. Salvation is freely available to everyone. It's available to you right here, right now. God loves you. He's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He desires a relationship with you. He wants to wipe your past away and give you a brand new beginning. There's people listening to this and you've never known God. I want you to pray a prayer with me. There's others who have walked away from God. Today, come home. Today's your day. Be saved, set free, born again in Jesus' name. If that's you, let's pray. The words are going to be on the screen beside me. Dear Jesus, today I open my heart to you and I give you my life. I thank you for your grace. It's enough. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Make me brand new. I believe that Jesus died and rose again, triumphant over sin and death, that I might have life and have it to the full. I declare by faith my trust in you and that I will live with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.